of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. This show contains mature content and adult themes. It may not be suitable for young audiences. I'm in Cheviot Hills Park on Pico Boulevard in West L.A. Across the street is the West Motor Gate into the 20th Century Fox Studios. There's a wall covered in posters promoting the studio's latest movies and television shows. Beyond the wall, there are sound stages and production offices. One of these is Building 88, the former office of the studio's founder and production chief, Daryl Zanuck. He greenlighted dozens of films at Fox. Many won Oscars, and many more were box office hits. But he also had a dark side. He may have been the most frequent abuser of the casting couch Hollywood has ever known. In today's episode of Variety Confidential, we'll use Variety's archives to unearth all the terrible things that Daryl Zanuck was accused of doing way back in the golden age of Hollywood. From Variety and iHeart Podcasts, I'm Tracy Patton. This is The Secret History of the Casting Couch. Today's episode, Four O'Clock Girls. With me today is Matt Donnelly, Variety's senior entertainment and media writer. Hi, Matt. Welcome. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's great to have you here, and I'm excited to get your Hollywood perspective and insights. I think it's really important that we look back at, you know, sort of these moguls and, and a lot of their predation and behavior that has been so prevalent in the past couple of years, especially, you know, we at Variety have been very dedicated to covering Me Too and, and uh, its ramifications for everyone. So I, I am excited to sort of look back and see where this all began. And thank you for making such wonderful use of our archives. Indeed, we need them. <laughs> Let's go back in time to the 20th Century Fox lot on an afternoon in 1938. 
On the top floor of the executive offices in Building 88, a young woman, let's call her Mary Evans, sits in the waiting room outside the office of the studio chief. She's young and attractive, dark-haired with bright blue eyes, barely 20 years old. She only recently moved to Los Angeles. And her dream is to become a movie star. Unlike thousands of other wannabes, however, Mary has landed a contract with 20th Century Fox, just like Betty Grable, Sonia Henney, and Shirley Temple. She's only a day player now, and she knows that her shot at stardom depends on what happens at this audition. Finally, the secretary gets the call, and Mary may go in. The office is dimly lit, large and wood-paneled. Every paintable surface is done in a shiny dark green. The wall behind the desk is covered in trophies from safaris, with zebra skins and antelope heads. She hears a toilet flush. A few seconds later, Daryl F. Zanuck, the founder and head of production at 20th Century Fox, comes out. He's shorter than Mary imagined, about five foot six, trim and fit in his mid-30s. He has a mustache and thinning salt and pepper hair. The cigar clamped in his jaw juts upward. Zanuck smiles, but not in a friendly way. He meets her in front of the desk and looks her up and down, eyeing her figure like this wolf devouring its prey. Then he asks her to turn around. She makes a graceful spin. He says, so, you want to be in pictures? Very much, she says. Mm, So do a lot of other girls, you know, he says. He motions her to follow him. They go into a small room off a hallway behind his office. There's a day bed against the wall. He invites her to sit, closes the door, and locks it. Do you have experience, he asks. She rattles off the roles she played in college and summer theater back east. While she's talking, he turns his back to her, fumbles with his front, and then turns around and faces her. Mary is shocked, but not surprised. He has exposed himself. She's heard all about Daryl Zanuck from other actresses, and she knows that her future at Fox is on the line. And she has a decision to make. Dozens of others have had to make the same choice, as dozens more will have to after she's gone. She can walk away from Zanuck and the career she's dreamed of, or... She can stay and give Zanuck what he wants. Now, I've never heard about this Mary Evans, which I'm sure there are many. But tell Mm. me, did you say yes or no? Okay, full disclosure. Mary Evans is a fictional version of dozens of women who were called into Daryl Zanuck's office for auditions. And there's circumstantial evidence that many, maybe most of these women, complied and had sex with Daryl Zanuck. He held these auditions so often that his colleagues came up with a name for the women he coerced. They called them four o'clock girls. But Zanuck himself is said to have called them studio whores. Uh, You know, sadly, this is a story we've heard so many times throughout Hollywood's history and shockingly, even in our contemporary landscape. This is post-Me Too. This is after the massive proliferation of social media, and somehow this behavior is still persistent. Believe me, I know. I've been doing a lot of research on these guys, and it's unbelievable what they got away with back then. How prevalent would you say this kind of behavior was among moguls of that era? It was very, very prevalent. I'm sure you know that the studios dominated the industry in those days. The big five were MGM, Columbia, RKO, Fox, and Paramount. And of the five, four of their moguls have been accused of abuse. 
Louis B. Mayer at MGM, Harry Cohn at Columbia, Howard Hughes at RKO, and Zanuck at Fox. I've heard many of the Mayer stories over the years. What's his deal? Well, Louis B. Mayer is probably the best-known mogul of that era, maybe because his name is in the brand. MGM stands for Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, I'm sure you know that. By 1937, he was the highest-paid man in America, and he believed that the movie should represent a sanitized version of reality. He once said, no mayor picture will have bedroom scenes, even where the couples are married. But there are conflicting accounts when it comes to his treatment of women. One friend of his said, LB couldn't get laid in a whorehouse. And a producer at MGM said Mayer was like a bashful boy. It wasn't until after he was 50 that he realized sex could be fun. On the other hand, according to Get Happy, The Life of Judy Garland by Gerald Clark, Mayer allegedly groped Judy Garland when she was a teenager and held meetings with her seated on his lap and his hands on her chest. My God, that story, just every time you hear it, it, it just still hits the same horrible abuse of her and so many other women. Um, well, tell me about Harry Cohn at Columbia. By most accounts, Cohn expected sex from women in exchange for movie roles. He even installed these secret passages into actresses' dressing rooms to give him easier access to them. He also had this strange habit of opening a woman's mouth with a pencil before he had sex with her to inspect her teeth like he was sizing up a horse. And when Rita Hayworth, one of his biggest stars, refused to sleep with him, he had her stalked and even bugged her dressing room. She said Cone was a monster. He was also obsessively controlling. There's a famous story about his interference in a relationship between his blonde star Kim Novak and Rat Packer Sammy Davis Jr., Cone ended the relationship by reportedly putting a mob hit on Davis. Uh, that sounds like an entirely different podcast episode. By the way, do you know the uh, mafia term for killing a celebrity? It's no. called excellent cadaver. Just FYI. <laughs> so let's move on to Howard Hughes, who was known as the richest man in America at that point. When did he get involved with RKO? So Hughes bought RKO Studios in 1948 and then spent the next few years running it into the ground. He was known for preying on underage girls. One of them was 16-year-old Ida Lupino. She survived, however, and went on to have a big career as an A-list actress and one of the few women directors in the 1950s and 60s. When Ava Gardner refused to marry him, Hughes hired detectives to stalk her. She finally put a stop to it by knocking him unconscious with an ashtray. He was obsessed with collecting young actresses. He'd signed them to these long-term contracts, but he never gave them work. Instead, he'd stash them in mansions and luxury apartments under the control of handlers. You know, it really makes me reconsider the title of that Warren Beatty movie he spent 20 years making about Hughes called Rules Don't Apply. <laughs> well, he sounds like a fantastic gentleman, so uh, let's, go, let's go back to Zanuck. Yes, Zanuck. And here's a little of his backstory. He was born in Wahoo, Nebraska in 1902, but moved to L.A. with his mother when he was eight. In 1917, when he was 15, he lied about his age and enlisted in the Army. He served in France during World War I. After the war, when he was 17, he moved to New York to become a writer. But he had little success and eventually moved back to Los Angeles. After working a series of odd jobs, he sold a story to the Fox Film Company for $500. That's about $8,500 today. 
In January 1924, Zanuck married Virginia Fox, an actress who had success in silent films. The Zanucks would have three children, two daughters, Darylin and Susan, and a son, Richard, who would become a successful movie producer himself. He produced Jaws, Driving Miss Daisy, and Cocoon, among many other films. And later that year, Zanuck was hired to produce Warner Brothers' popular Rin Tin Tin movies. Their star was a German shepherd who, in real life, had been rescued by an American soldier on a World War I battlefield. The movies were hugely profitable, and the series put Zanuck on the map in Hollywood. And three years later, he was promoted to head of production at Warner's. His salary went up from $125 a week to $5,000 a week, which would be about $90,000 per week today. In 1928, he was the supervising producer on The Jazz Singer, the first full-length film recorded with sound. It had music, singing, and the famous line, you ain't heard nothing yet. But Warner Brothers was tightly controlled by its owners, the four Warner Brothers. Zanuck was ambitious, and it became clear that the Warners would never make him a partner. He resigned in 1933 and went into business with Joseph Skank, one of the most powerful moguls in early Hollywood. Together, they founded the 20th Century Company Film Studio. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. 
It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. As part of the deal, Zanuck took home a huge paycheck. Variety reported on April 25, 1933, that he'd, quote, knocked off a $100,000 bonus, about $2.3 million today. Zanuck went right to work. He produced 18 movies for 20th Century Films in just 18 months. All but one of them was a success. Two years later, Zanuck and Skank merged 20th Century with the Fox Film Corporation— The Fox Company was formed in 1915 by William Fox. It was successful for many years, but by the mid-1930s, it was struggling. In Variety's report on the merger on May 29, 1935, it noted that Skank would serve as chairman of the board and Zanuck would oversee production as vice president. Fox had something that 20th century desperately needed, infrastructure. It owned a 300-acre studio on Pico Avenue, where the Fox lot is still located today. So by the time Zanuck gets to the Fox lot, was he already sort of notorious for this casting couch behavior? Well, what we know is he was having extramarital affairs, but they were hookups, nothing long-term or serious. And we also know that his wife, Virginia, was aware of them early on. In 1926, on a trip to Europe, she heard him on the street below their hotel room talking with a woman— So she grabbed a flower pot, threw it off the balcony, and hit him in the head. There should be a statue for her on that lot. I think so. (laughs) Virginia eventually accepted that Daryl had women on the side. She even invited a few of his famous lovers and their husbands, believe it or not, for weekends at the Xanax estate in Palm Springs. Talking about four o'clock girls in general, this level of abuse is just so hard to fathom, but perhaps not in our current landscape. Mm -hmm. How solid is all the reporting from this era? Well, there is definitely some myth-making going on here, and most of what we have is anecdotal. And like it always is with these kinds of stories from Hollywood, they may have been embellished over the years. For example, Milton Sperling was a source with firsthand knowledge about what went on. He worked closely with Zanuck for years, and here's what he said. Every day at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, some girl on the lot would visit Zanuck in his office. The doors would be locked after she went in. No calls were taken, and for the next half hour, nothing happened. Headquarters shut down. Around the office, work came to a halt for the sex siesta. But later, Sperling backtracked on that a bit. He said, it wasn't really every day, but it happened often enough. A producer at Fox claimed that Zanuck had given every actress under contract at Fox a four o'clock audition treatment. That's an exaggeration. We know of a few who rejected him and then went on to have successful careers. But the thing is, those careers usually happened at a different studio. So who were some of the women that had to suffer this abuse from Zanuck that we would know? Well, some of the big stars included Barbara Stanwyck, Judy Holliday, Betty Grable, Marilyn Monroe, Carol Landis, and Joan Collins. I love Barbara Stanwyck. She's got so many great films like The Lady Eve, Double Indemnity, Meet John Doe. Yes, and she said Zanuck chased her around his office and attempted to rape her. Barbara Stanwyck was one of the few big stars in the Golden Age who never signed a long-term studio contract. 
She worked for Fox a few times, including once in 1938. And it is possible this incident occurred then. So what about Judy Holliday? She was usually typecast as the ditzy blonde. Yes, she was. And the irony there was that she had an IQ of 172, which qualified her as a genius. Her encounter with Zanuck was in 1943 when she was a 22-year-old day player at Fox. Her agent put her on Zanuck's schedule for one of his 4 o'clock auditions. The agent also advised her to wear falsies in her bra. And when you say falsies, you mean? Like these pads that go in your bra. Ah, got it. A lot of stylists under data would call those chicken cutlets. Oh, I love the visual, yes. At the meeting, Zanuck unzipped his pants, grabbed her breasts, and said, You belong to me. Judy pushed his hands away, pulled out the falsies, and threw them at him. These belong to you, she reportedly said. I don't. Assuming this is true, it may explain why Judy Holliday's hit movies were all made at other studios. So Betty Grable, a lot of people might know that name but don't know much about her career. Yeah, Betty Grable is best remembered today as the World War II pinup queen. There was a famous poster of her in a swimsuit and heels with her back to the camera, looking over her shoulder at the camera and smiling. It was very popular with American soldiers serving overseas during the war. Both before and after the war, Betty Grable was one of the biggest stars at Fox. But her value to the company didn't stop Zanuck from inviting her into his office hideaway. After locking the door, he turned and exposed himself. Grable reportedly said, that's beautiful. You can put it away now. She got up and left the room. And then we have Hollywood's perhaps most famous and perpetual victim of sexual abuse and harassment, Marilyn Monroe. Yes. Marilyn was the next big star to come along at Fox after Betty Grable. In 1946, when she was still Norma Jean Mortensen, she was given a screen test at the studio. Everyone involved thought the test was exceptional. One executive said it gave him a cold chill. But when Daryl Zanuck saw the test a few days later, he got no chills. He signed her anyway on July 23, 1946. When her contract was up a year later, it was not renewed. No reason was given, and people who'd worked with Marilyn that year thought she was great. There have been dozens of biographies about Marilyn Monroe. She even wrote an autobiography herself, but it's still not clear why Zanuck dropped her then. Eight years later, Marilyn said something to British actress Joan Collins that was interesting. Collins was 21 years old and had a promising career in movies. Marilyn gave her advice about working in Hollywood. Especially watch out for Zanuck, she said. If he doesn't get what he wants, honey, he'll drop your contract. Was Marilyn speaking from firsthand experience? Did Zanuck drop her in 1947 because she had rejected him during a private audition? Well, we'll never know that. But what we do know is Zanuck would stall or even upend careers of actresses who told him no. That's apparently what happened with Carol Landis. I'm not as familiar with her. Tell me about Carol. Well, Carol Landis was a talented and voluptuous actress who was known for her comedic chops. By the time Zanuck signed her in 1940, she had already been under contract at Warner Brothers and other studios. Her early movies tended to be B-pictures, so the contract with Fox gave her the opportunity to really up her game. After she and Zanuck had sex, a rare thing happened. Instead of his usual one-time deal, it got to be a regular thing. 
But when she ended the affair, Zanuck reportedly became furious. Her contract was not renewed in 1946. And in a tragic note, two years later, after a failed romance with married actor Rex Harrison, Carol Landis committed suicide. Oh, that's so sad. Mm -hmm. Now, what about Joan Collins? Did she steer clear of Zanuck after Marilyn's warning? Well, she wrote recently that she tried to avoid them at the studio. And a few days later, she said, Daryl Zanuck pounced on me and trapped me against a wall. Breathing cigar fumes, he hissed. You haven't had anyone until you had me, honey. I'm the biggest and the best, and I can go all night. I was so shocked, I couldn't think of anything to say. I managed to wriggle free and ran back to the set. Now, obviously, there's no human resources department to report this to. No. But are we aware if other prominent Hollywood journalists were aware of what Zanuck was up to? Well, there's very little evidence one way or the other, with one notable exception. W.R. Wilkinson III has written a couple of books about his father, Billy Wilkerson, the founder and publisher of The Hollywood Reporter. In his book, Hollywood Godfather, Wilkerson wrote that his father knew about Zanuck's four o'clock auditions. And he also knew about Harry Cohn's casting couch abuse at Columbia Pictures. Zanuck and Billy Wilkerson were friends, and Wilkerson kept quiet about what he knew. So we've talked about Zanuck's early and quite toxic life. How did he fare later on? Well, during World War II, he served as colonel in the U.S. Signal Corps. His job was to produce training films and documentaries. He was deployed to Africa in 1942 to film The Invasion, which was one of America's first big operations in the war. Later, he received a Legion of Merit for his war services— when he returned to work at Fox, he had some housekeeping to do. His office had been taken over by another producer. His four o'clock hideaway had been turned into a file room. Zanuck had everything painted green again. The safari trophies came back, the filing cabinets were out, and a new daybed was in. The four o'clock auditions were soon back in business. I mean, my God, how long did this actually go on, and when did it eventually stop? Well, they stopped at Fox in 1956 when Zanuck left the company and became an independent producer. In 1957, he produced The Sun Also Rises, which was one of Errol Flynn's last films. He also produced The Longest Day, starring John Wayne in 1962. It was a critical and box office hit. But then he began to lose his footing— he put a lot of effort into turning his girlfriends into movie stars. It never worked out. The careers of these women, Julia Greco, Bella Darvey, and Irina Demisch, failed one after another. And was his wife still okay with all this? Apparently not. It was around this time that Daryl and Virginia separated. She'd been patient for way too long. The Xanax never divorced, but they lived apart for the next 20 years. Zanuck returned to Fox in 1962 and served as president. He was there when the studio released Cleopatra, one of the most expensive bombs Hollywood ever produced. Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Let's go! Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating up to eight passengers. Yeah. 
And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. So Zanuck turned 60 in 1962 after this tremendous failure. Is he thinking about retirement? Mm, Not at all. In fact, he started working remotely. He moved to Paris. In 1965, he met a model named Jean-Vievre Gilles at a nightclub there. Something sparked between them, and a long-term relationship developed. She was 19. He was 63. Zanuck and Genevieve moved into the penthouse of one of the most expensive hotels in Paris, the Georges Sank. Around this time, Zanuck was promoted to chairman of the board at Fox. He stayed in touch with the company's offices in Los Angeles and New York with phone calls and telegrams. He also held auditions in his penthouse. By the way, I'd do anything for a penthouse at the Georges Sank, but I wouldn't do that. Uh, so were these auditions sort of similar to the ones on the Fox lot? Well, at least one of them was. The agent for British actress and model Fiona Lewis sent her to Zanuck's penthouse one afternoon in 1970. She wrote about it in her memoir, Mistakes Were Made, Some in French. She arrived promptly with her portfolio. Zanuck answered the door himself. Fiona Lewis said... He was wearing a silk dressing gown, open at the front. He was naked underneath and casually holding his penis between his first two fingers, as if it were a lit cigar. Have you ever seen anything so big, he asked, which I instinctively knew wasn't a question. But I was floored. 
and a wave of Englishness rose up. I couldn't utter a word. In French, I could have leveled him. Instead, I turned and headed for the elevator. Hey, come back, he shouted. Come on, I was just kidding. It was a joke. So she went back into the suite. They sat on the sofa, and she showed him her portfolio. While she talked about her career, Zanuck listened with what she called bemused indifference. At one point, Jean-Vievre came in. Fiona Lewis described her as a young, elegantly dressed Grace Kelly type, wearing gray flannel slacks and a white cashmere sweater. Jean-Vievre appeared to be looking for her cigarettes, but Lewis felt like she was being checked out. After Jean-Vievre left, Zanuck got to the point. He asked Fiona if she would like to sleep with Jean-Vievre. She hadn't expected that, and when she said no, he opened a wooden box on the coffee table, took out a few thousand francs, and put them on the table in front of her. But she wasn't interested. She decided to leave, and on her way out, she heard Zanuck shout, "'You will never work in Hollywood!' Fiona Lewis proved him wrong about that. She appeared in more than 20 movies and television shows in Hollywood over the next five decades. So Zanuck is now in his 70s. Is he about to retire? Well, his health began to fail, and he and Jean-Vievre moved to New York. In 1972, Zanuck was diagnosed with cancer in his jaw. Doctors removed part of the jaw, two teeth, part of his tongue, and some muscles, lymph nodes, and veins from his neck. And despite all of this, after the surgery, the doctors said he had no deformity. A few months later, things took an even more drastic turn. Zanuck experienced memory loss and was eventually diagnosed with organic brain syndrome, known today as neurocognitive disorder. His mental decline was quick, steep, and irreversible. That's a sort of stunning series of events for someone who had been in action for so long. What happened next? Well, let's go back to an evening in April 1973. A plane from New York lands at the Palm Springs Airport in California. Seated in first class are Daryl Zanuck, his girlfriend Jean-Vievre, his secretary, his daughters, and Zanuck's two dogs, Lisa and Tina. As soon as the landing stairs are rolled into place and the cabin door is open, Zanuck grabs his dogs and runs down the steps. Jean-Vievre watches from the top of the stairs as he trots across the tarmac to a limo where Virginia Zanuck is waiting. He hands Virginia one of the dogs and takes her by the arm. They climb into a limo and drive off towards Zanuck's Palm Springs estate. Jean-Vievre realizes then that after eight years, her life with Daryl Zanuck and all the wealth and privilege that came with it has come to a close. So a gentleman to the very end. <laughs> How long does he live? Well, Virginia Zanuck nursed him for the next six years, and he died at 77 on December 22, 1979. Okay, so let's talk about this story, Matt, as it compares with recent events in the Me Too era. I just wanted to read a quote from an article in Variety by Thelma Adams. She writes, The practice of powerful white men exploiting young actresses trying to break into the movie business has a historical precedent as old as the movie business itself. Says it all, right? That's kind of it. <laughs> That's the entire point. So what's your take on all of this now that you've heard this story and, you know, then yeah. and now? Uh, the biggest takeaway I have is just it's going through, the, you know, this incredible, and I, I've learned so much about Daryl Zanuck, but the one question I have is what is any of this worth? A few good movies? All of this behavior somehow doesn't seem to equal the sum of its parts. Not that it should, but it's just uh, it's just very sad. And and also for the people who aren't as lucky as um, Betty Grable and and uh, Barbara Stanwyck and uh, Joan Collins, and uh, not to say Marilyn was lucky, but think about how many nameless, faceless 
women there were that went back home, got back on Greyhound buses uh, after behavior like this. It's 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 a bit of a bummer. <laughs> And, you know, I keep using this quote, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, you know, in reporting on, on you know, the dawn and, and the progression of the Me Too movement, I think that the word predation, predatory, mm-hmm. is very applicable here because it does have a methodology, right? Think about how many of these instances have the same circumstances. So there's powerful people using, you know, their influence and promise of employment to get people alone in rooms, to offer them, to proposition them, to pay them, to ask them if they want to work. It's it, it's all very, very methodical. It's got or it's, it's very pathological in a way, too. And you know what? When I read or when I was researching about Zanuck and his MO, yeah. it's so similar to, to Weinstein. Only Weinstein asked for massages. But that same vibe, it seems so similar. Absolutely. And also even just the construction of of, of the lots and, and just the all the— you know, you, you mentioned about infrastructure being something that 20th century really needed to scale up to become 20th century Fox. But so much of what's even put in the groundwork there it, it facilitated this. Secret pathways into exactly. actresses' dressing rooms. Exactly. It, it's interesting. I, I've actually been to the Louis B. Mayer office in the Thalberg building on the Sony Pictures lot. And I've seen the secret passageways from his his actual like maybe third floor office down into the screening rooms. Um, and it it takes on, you know, you might think that's a really cool trick of architecture or just like a nice flex of power, but it takes on such a different connotation when you maybe know what they were used for, um, you know, what those passages were carrying or what might have happened in them. Okay, so speaking about the lots, then we had the studio system, yeah. cities within a city. Richard Zanuck said they were self-sustaining except for the police force, which you obviously can't have. Quote, unquote. But there was this sort of infrastructure and their, their ability to just control everything. Absolutely. I, I mean, the studio system was a closed loop where you had a sole financier, uh, it was a very small collection of people at the top making decisions. And what, what's even more interesting now, because we, you know, the world we live in, celebrities are so diversified and so branded in and of themselves. But this was a system where they would sign you for eight or nine year contracts and they could change your image on a dime. They would just literally shuffle you in and out of movies like cattle. Uh, there was no such thing as sort of like, a, you know, controlled, defined individual celebrity identity. So you had less and less rights. What do you think about the system protecting powerful men like Daryl Zanuck? How do you think they were able to do that? What's your take? I mean, the system protecting uh, these corrupt men, I, I think, were probably people backing the idea of the American dream lived out through movies. You know, theatrical box office was never – was the only game in town. You know, you're talking about many of these mm-hmm. moguls came before the advent or at least the popularity of television. Exactly. So you've got one medium that the entire world worships, and it's a very high-stakes game, especially for the actors that come through these doors and you know come from nothing and want that American dream, as I said. And when you look at Weinstein, looking at present day, I am absolutely gobsmacked at how many people knew in Hollywood for how long. And so that goes back to then, right? Absolutely. It's it's funny when you talk about complicity, because I, it, it, it's, I think it works in a couple different ways. Uh, you know, in terms of Harvey, were there people who actively worked to abscond like and paid off women that he abused? Yes, unequivocally. There's also a different sort of emotional complicity. You know what I mean? Like this idea that, you know, Harvey was mean. And because he was mean, he was somehow tough or swashbuckling or whatever. But I, I think in, in in his heyday, I, the idea of just surviving him opened so many other doors for you, even as one of his employees. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Miramax was the unquestionable independent film king of the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. uh, getting a role or, or, or having a successful movie come out, and especially, uh, you know, Harvey's skills at um, campaigning for Oscars could be really transformative for your career. 
at a time when the studios weren't making product that was really interesting to, to up-and-coming artists, and you could have this entirely new path to stardom. God, that's such a great point. I want to. I wanted to bring up one thing too, because we were talking. You know, we're talking about systems that protect, but let's talk about how this stuff sort of manifested in the films. I was so fascinated to hear that Louis B. Mayer uh, just refused to put any kind of depictions of sexuality in his films, no bedroom scenes, even between married couples, and then behaves this way? Exactly. Hypocrisy. Well, I want to leave with a quote from the fabulous Marilyn Monroe, Mm. and she summed up her experience with powerful men in Hollywood like this. And this is from her memoir. I met them all. Some were vicious and crooked, but you saw Hollywood with their eyes, an overcrowded brothel, and a merry-go-round with beds instead of horses. So, Matt, I know that really kind of paints that picture. Any final thoughts? I I think the one thing we've learned today is that uh, maybe there, as Thelma said earlier, as you quoted her, there might be too many powerful, rich white men in charge. (laughs) So maybe we should shake that up a little bit and see what happens. And now the world will know what falsies are. And I think that's a perfect final thought. Thank you so much. Thanks to Matt Donnelly for joining us, and thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next time with another episode in this six-part series, The Secret History of the Casting Couch. From Variety Confidential, this has been 4 O'Clock Girls. For Variety and iHeart Podcasts, I'm Tracy Patton. Variety Confidential is a production of Variety Content Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It was produced by Sidney Kramer, John Ponder, and Tracy Patton, and written by John Ponder and Tracy Patton, with additional research by Karen Mizoguchi. Executive producers are Daya Lawrence and Steve Gatos. Variety Confidential is recorded, edited, and mixed at The Invisible Studios, West Hollywood. Recording engineer, Lester Dangler. Editor and mixer, Charles Carroll. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.